0: And it's just a matter of how customized it's going to be based on the price point. So there's really something for everybody. Thank you, guys. Let's get on into the episode. Yeah, fighters. Before we jump into today's episode of anaerobic overtraining, just a couple quick announcements and shout-outs. First, as always, this episode and every episode is brought to you by the Life of a Fighter Shop you can go to lifeofoffighter.com forward slash shop to see some of the latest and greatest stuff we got going on. Specifically, the two things I really want to highlight for y'all is our Fitness and Nutrition Vault, which not only gives you access to private content like this that will eventually be locked up in the Nutrition Vault, but over 80 ebooks. We have 25-plus fighter guides. We have um, private content as far as videos are up there. It also gives you access to our partners at DotFit with our workout and uh, metabolic programming. Also, we have our ProGoach program. That's just kind of like a little step up. If you want a little bit more accountability, you want a little bit more customization to your programming and a coach to be with you every second of the day along the way, That's the perfect plan for you. And then we also have private training as well that you can both do in person and digitally. We have um, satellite locations and uh, partnered coaches throughout the United States. And actually, we're spreading. We've obviously got established in Thailand since I've been over there. And we're progressively growing as well um, in Germany and throughout Europe. So just reach out to us, shoot us a message, or get to the website and the shop. And you can get more information there as well. Without further ado y'all, let's jump right on in. So again, anaerobic overtraining. So overtraining in general is just like a really big topic specifically for athletes and fighters that I wanted to cover because not only it's something I was covering in um, the textbook, but it's just something that we see so much of in combat sports and beyond combat sports, really just high contact sports, whether we're talking about football or lacrosse or rugby, or again, going back to contact and combat sports partially because of the uh, intensity of training and the intensity of the actual competition. Also, partly, in my opinion, the psychological uh, mentality you need to bring. Wrestlers are one of the best examples of this, is the constant embracing of the grind. The, the like For me, my personal goal, and to this day, my personal goal is to just be uncomfortable at least once a day, every day. And wrestlers have to be uncomfortable, not just once, but for long stretches of time, for hours at a time through practice or... Um, even months at a time when you're going through the season. So there's something to that from just the psychological approach that kind of can sometimes disconnect you from the kind of boundaries of not just pushing your limits, but then going beyond your limits and risking your actual health and performance. So I wanted to kind of go through one of the tables they had in the essentials of strength training and conditioning that I thought was really helpful. And it breaks down some stages here into not only from when we get to our training overload or um, overtraining but what the stages are broken down and the time frame at which it's going to take to recover from those and then some of the performance indicators you can use to see um, if this could be a potential issue for you so the first one is acute fatigue and this is typically when you're just pushing it a little bit too hard you will start to see um, a little bit of a neurological impact so meaning maybe there's a slight delay in your ability to recall or respond but there's no um, tremendous kind of carry over to the physical impact it's going to make as far as your strength or gains or things like that Um, but the other side is that you will not actually see an increase in performance so you may not necessarily see a decrease but you won't see yourself progressing as you would expect to when you're keeping yourself on a tight schedule and the benefit or the positive, I guess, not the benefit, the positive to this is that it, it can take as little as a, a day or two to recover from this if you can recognize it. So the the time window on this from the recovery standpoint is days really um, at most. And again, it's the acute fatigue stage. The performance impact is not going to be um, detrimental necessarily, but you just won't be making gains. And you'll see an altered uh, neuron function aspect to it. The next level up from that, if you continue to start um, training and overtraining, it'll kind of get upgraded and a little bit more damaging to our functional overreaching. So that's where it's going to start to see a little bit more of um, a decrease in your actual performance, so a temporary decrease, which will eventually return to baseline if you allow your body to recover, and it can take anywhere from days to weeks for that to properly balance out. As as well as with the physical performance, you're also going to see, again, the same thing, altered um, motor unit recruitment. So again, the physical capability to perform and fire will be impacted. And then from an endocrine perspective, we're also going to have an altered sympathetic activity and hypothalamic control. So now we're starting to impact hormones as well as the neurological aspect in our performance. So that kind of takes it a little bit more serious. And again, if you think about it, this is in season or during a fight camp, maybe a day or two is not horrible, but week weeks, days, like that's really expensive when you're talking about progress or really any sport across the board, but specifically in a fight camp, that's where you really want to try and avoid that. And that's why it's so important to recognize the acute fatigue stage and back it off for maybe a day or two, and then be able to ramp it back up. So let's say for whatever reason we're not recognizing the decrease in performance, we're not recognizing the the lack of motor unit recruitment and the strength that's going to be associated with that, the movements that are going to be associated with that. We're not really recognizing the uh, hormonal and endocrine impact from a sympathetic state or from the hypothalamic control now it's going to get upgraded to a non-functional overreaching, which is, again, another level up. And this one can take weeks to months to recover from, and this is where you're going to see a drastic or a larger decrease in performance and a continued stagnation in your performance that's going to even take longer to recover from, which you may not necessarily be able to recover from even as your body returns to baseline, quote-unquote, the um, – the actual decline of performance may have to be something that you won't get necessarily back to your original baseline. You'll maybe be coming at, a, a, let's say, a step behind. Again, that's for the physical performance. Now we look at the neural uh, decreased motor coordination. So that's kind of taking it another level up. And then from now, we're starting to look at other categories we didn't look at prior, so skeletal muscle. So you're going to see um, altered excitation of our contraction coupling. So the ability for your muscles to work from an antagonist and um, agonist perspective and be able to really control. So let's say, for example, from a fighting, pitching, um, I'm sorry, punching perspective is the anterior and posterior parts of your body aren't going to be able to properly work together. Or you may actually see a decrease in breakdown in muscle tissue. Then when we look at from a metabolic effects, and now we're not just looking at our muscle tissue. But think about it. If you start breaking down muscle tissue – We're going to have decreased muscle glycogen because the less muscle tissue you have, the less um, intramuscular storage you're going to have for that glycogen. Even if we have the same muscle tissue, just the ability for your body to hold that glycogen is going to go down as well. Then we look at cardiovascular, so increased resting heart rate and blood pressure, which and we talk about in other chapters and other segments and podcasts, I've either already talked about or will continuously talk about is the benefit to having a lower resting heart rate is an improved aerobic capacity. And you work all of that um, time to increase your aerobic capacity, this can have that detrimental impact. So if you start to notice that, um, let's say your normal resting heart rate is, mine's 44 beats a minute, on average, I'll say 44 to 48. I notice I'm waking up at 62, 68 beats a minute that's a real good indication that I may be potentially in that non-functional overreaching stage, which I have been before. And, and thanks to um, John Furia uh, and Stephen Wilkes and, and the team over at Acceleration. Shout out to Acceleration in Deer Park on Long Island. That was one of the most basic ones that John gave me. He's like, hey, just check your resting heart anymore. Because I was going through um, the pre-stages, of even getting into a fight camp. I knew a fight was coming up. and It was actually supposed to be at the Garden. And my body just wasn't responding in other areas. Strength-wise, I was, you know, okay, but my, my cardio wasn't the same. My sparring wasn't the same. My reaction timing wasn't the same. He's like, Hey, just check your resting heart rate. And sure enough, it was um, higher than what I normally would have it. So I knew to back it off and made the adjustments. Anyways, let's move on. So this is kind of another one altered immune function too. So I saw this in Thailand. Um, you know, I already kind of have like a sensitivity to my immune system from having, um, Initial bouts of Epstein Barr when I was younger, around like 11, 12 years old. I was in the hospital, all these things. And, you know, it, it kind of, it's a virus, so it stays with you. So now I have to be very cognizant of my immune system and how my body responds and recovery and rest. And I saw that when I was in Thailand that my immune system got shot. I got staph infection. I actually had staph a week before um, my fight. So that was something I was dealing with even in my fight. And I saw all of this kind of across the board as well. So I'm speaking from personal experience, but I also knew from recovering. That my body did feel better and it did actually, I wasn't even kind of back to where my original base was for, baseline was for a while, for months and months down the road. And, and it's, even now I'm continuously trying to, not necessarily from the performance aspect, but just from the personal health aspect to continuously um, not allow that to happen again and just continuously push the bar forward. And that's not even done with the immune system. Now we're going to look like at endocrine, altered homo- hormonal concentration. So again, this can impact testosterone, HGH, estrogen, um, everything that that's, uh, again, really cortisol, all those hormones can kind of get thrown out of whack here. And then lastly, psychological, which we haven't talked about. This is where it comes in mood disturbances, which is, I think, partially related to the endocrine, but also related to just, again, from a performance standpoint and a, a neurological standpoint. So that's kind of like the next level up and now for our last one overtraining syndrome this one can take you know six months to a year maybe beyond to recover from especially if we're not really aware of what's happening or really um kind of taking it as serious as it should be and again that's where performance is going to decrease where um the neurological is everything that we mentioned prior skeletal muscle is going to be decreased force production so we're going to lose strength as well as speed and power and then from a metabolic, decreased glycolytic capacity, so our even our ability to produce energy goes down. So there's a huge impact on that from a performance, and also just from the potential to gain weight too. Because if our body's not able to produce the same energy or have the same systems, that's going to break down and use energy. We're more likely going to potentially store fat and all the things that go with it. And that's even for stages prior as well. Depending if it's impacting hormones and our ability to train, there's always that potential to gain weight which I've also experienced and had to deal with on both ends of the spectrum. Then when we're looking at cardiovascular, same thing. um, Increased resting heart rate and blood pressure, uh, immune system, more likely to get sick and infections, which, again, I've experienced. Excuse me. Endocrine, same thing as above mentioned, all of those. And then psychological, emotional, emotional. And sleep disturbances. And I got to be honest with you guys, like now even kind of reflecting back and looking on it, I, I figured I'll, I'll be a little bit more transparent too. Like when I read this, I was like, oh wow, I really have to kind of dial back my training because I was seeing a lot of, you know, with the sleep issues, with um, sickness, so I was usually getting back from Thailand and, and all of that. Now I'm kind of starting to get the balancing of it. I'm still finding that balance because I have even a labrum issue in my hip. And since having Lena, sleep still kind of gets an up and down cycle. And, um, even I did my last body scan, my in-body scan with Dr. Rena Newton in town in Asheville here at get to I saw that I actually, um, I lost a pound of muscle and I, I also like I was dehydrated. I had a hard training session the night before. So I'm going to be intrigued when I properly hydrate and go back to get my test done again to see what it shows. But, um, I'm constantly trying to be in touch with my body, whether it's from Am I overtraining? Am I in an overtraining syndrome state? Am I just at the acute fatigue or somewhere in between? This is something that I think every athlete and every even just fitness enthusiast that's training needs to pay attention to, even if you're just a corporate professional that's trying to get into the gym and take care of yourself and you're getting obsessed, this can not only impact your um, performance in the gym, but it can impact just your whole life, what you're doing at work, what you do with your family, your relationships, everything that goes with that. So pay attention to these stages of overtraining. If you have any questions or doubt um, get with your doctor. If you don't have a doctor, don't have someone that you trust, reach out to us. We'll catch it. We'll help you find somebody. Again, this is not medical advice. I'm not a doctor, nothing like that. But again, I'm passionate with educating and sharing this with y'all. So that was something I wanted to spend a little bit more time on today. Again, this is all specifically related to anaerobic overtraining. So that's when we're talking about, um, Potential like circuit training or sprints or things like that, or even weight training, resistance training. But again, if you notice, it has an impact across the board on all of the aspects, whether it's our skeletal muscle, our metabolic rate, cardiovascular system, our immune system, endocrine, psychology, the neurofunction, the neuromuscular system, and just performance in general. So um, this can really kind of even be applied to obviously aerobic as well, but it's very specific to the anaerobic overtraining aspect to it. So hope you guys enjoyed. If you have questions, feel free to reach out. And as always,